0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Academic Life, a podcast channel here on New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Christina Gessler, and today we're talking to Kyle Lugas, who is the head of the Savannah Bananas Academy, and he's going to tell us about the Savannah Bananas and how they put fun back in baseball. Welcome to the show, Kyle.
0: Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I'm super excited.
1: I'm so excited that you're here and we get to talk about this really cool summer program that college baseball players get to do. Before we dive into that, will you tell us about yourself?
0: Yes, so I was born and raised in Arlington, Texas. Um, We moved to the Savannah area when I was in fourth grade, so probably 10-ish years old. Um, Lived around Savannah for the majority um, up until I left for college, um, kind of played basketball and baseball growing up, a little bit of golf here and there with my dad. Um, but then, really, kind of after middle school, getting into high school, and then obviously after high school, kind of started to hone in on baseball as like my real driving passion, as well as like something that I was probably the best at out of all the sports that I played. Um, And then I was fortunate enough to go play, go on to play five years of college baseball and then spend some time down here back in my home ish town of uh, Savannah playing summer ball and now working full time.
1: So take us back to that. When you were in college playing um, college baseball, how did you get recruited to come play in the summers for the Savannah bananas?
0: Um, So my, after my first summer, after my first year in college, after my freshman year, um, I actually went and played for a different league, which was in primarily out of Virginia, uh, it was the Shenandoah Valley league. So I played for a different team there. Um, that was very beneficial cause I didn't play a whole lot. My freshman year, I didn't pitch a whole lot. So it was really good, good competition and just a good place for me personally to go get a lot of reps and a lot of innings and, and throw a lot of pitches as well as play against some really good competition. Um, And then I came back for my sophomore year, and I credit a lot of my success that sophomore year to my summer in Virginia. Um, I really found myself, again, as a pitcher, I'd say, and got a lot more comfortable on the mound like I was in high school. Um, So then it came time after my sophomore year to go play somewhere in the summer. And um, basically how you get set up on any of these summer teams, whatever league it is across the country is, there's an assistant coach on each coaching staff of every baseball team, D1, D2, D3, or JUCO across the country whose job is to get their um, players uh, um, on a summer team to play, whether it's in Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alaska, California. Like, there's leagues all over the country. Um, So it's kind of just all about who they know. It's not so much of, like, a tryout process. It's kind of like a, hey, I know this coach is coaching down here. I know that he needs a pitcher and a catcher. I think you'd be a good fit. Let's send you down there and see how you do. Um, So that's kind of how it came about after my sophomore year. Me and my roommate, who's a catcher, um, came down here, played our sophomore summers in Savannah. Absolutely loved it. Um, Right off the jump, could tell that it was something very special and something that we wanted to be a part of. So me and him actually continued to come back for the next four following summers and then after this last summer, when August came up, we uh we got hired on full time to play and work all the kid camps for.
1: So you had family in Savannah, but for most players, where do they live for the summer?
0: Um, so just like any other league, um, a large portion of like resources and time and, and money goes into each individual summer organization that they um that they reach out to families and parents. Um, in the local area surrounding areas of wherever you're playing and they'll hook you up and they're basically become a host family is what they call it and it's um, mostly you see them it's mostly like a mom and a dad who either had a son or a daughter that grew up and is now out of the house and they're kind of living on their own and kind of looking for you know having a, a kid or just somebody who really loves the game of baseball. Or oftentimes you see like a mom and a dad and like a little kid, and it's kind of like a, a cool experience to be like an older brother to that that boy or girl that's younger in that family. So it's all about the um, whatever summer team you're playing for. They kind of hook you up and set you up with host families to live for the summer.
1: You said you and your roommate got to play on the same team, but do you have college players who find themselves? Um, playing against their college teammates who who got recruited to a different team
0: oh definitely yeah we played probably against in our four years in savannah we've probably played against seven or eight guys that we've played with um both at college or like you played against at college so it's like it's a big community but at the in the same time it's kind of like a small knit community like everybody kind of knows everybody if you play um, enough and play enough years in the game, especially at the college level. But, yeah, we probably played against five or six guys that we were, that we call teammates in the spring.
1: It seems like it would be a benefit to have a college job over the summer that keeps you in condition for your sport. But does it also kind of wear out your for you, like, your pitching arm?
0: Um, yeah, so there's definitely usually some, like, limitations, especially depending on your workload, like the previous year or the previous spring. Um, at school most for pitchers more than than um, position players just because uh, the pitchers kind of more wear and tear on their arm alone and individualized so like most most guys you'll see come down and only play like half the summer they'll be on like a 25 inning limit so like once they hit 25 innings whenever it is wherever they're at whatever summer team they're playing for their coach at school ultimately has the final say of like hey we're going to shut you down for a couple months before you get back to school so yeah you definitely see that all the time
1: so does that affect how many games the league plays? Because I've noticed that the Savannah Bananas is completely sold out. It seems like when your product is selling really well, typically you add more. But you you all sell out and that's how many games you're playing.
0: Yeah, definitely. So it's that all that stuff would be league mandated under whatever uh, summer bowl league that you're playing and everybody's going to play the same amount of games. Um, regardless of attendance and what that looks like. Yeah, we would probably love to do a lot more games at home because they're a lot of fun and and everybody loves them. But um, at the end of the day, it's kind of like a um, league-regulated kind of thing. Like you have to have a certain amount of home games and a certain amount of away games just to kind of keep it fair across the board on the league.
1: During the school year, it would seem like for a lot of the players, how well they're playing is really serious stuff. Your, Your scholarship can be dependent on it. Your ability to stay at school can be dependent on your scholarship, but for the summer league, there's a real emphasis on fun. How does that affect all the players?
0: Um, yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's more apparent than anywhere else here in Savannah. Um, I think that uh, rightfully so. I mean, at, at your respected college or university, it's going to be viewed as you know a job or, or a business. You know, if you're not producing, or if you're not doing what you're supposed to, whether it's performance based or off the field, you know, there's going to be repercussions. And, you know, like you said, your possibilities of, of scholarships getting cut. So you see a lot of guys, you know, oftentimes, more times than not not performing to their true abilities just because they kind of feel like their back's against the wall and, and you know, all they can do is wrong. And you're kind of expected to do right in that sense of things. So you, you oftentimes see guys playing more free in the summers, especially here in Savannah. And in turn, you often see them, Playing better, you know, because it's it's a low risk situation. It's kind of like the best way that I've heard it described is is like playing wolf in the backyard, like when you were younger growing up. Like there's not a whole lot of, not not a whole lot of worry, not a whole lot of pressure, or stress put on yourself to play well. It's just kind of you know I'm gonna go out there and enjoy it, and have fun, and then more time tonight you see those guys play really well.
1: And like you said, it reminds you of why you liked it in the first place, which can get lost when you're. Your love becomes how you earn money. It can get all tangled up.
0: Definitely, yeah, exactly.
1: So did you play the game in kilt? Uh,
0: Yeah, I've probably played, I guess it'd be five games now. We usually do one every summer. And then the tour that we started, um, this well, actually two years ago, but the the tour that I played on, which is the pro guys, which is out of the the summer league uh, we played, one game in savannah and kilts so yeah I've, I've dabbled around with it i've probably done five games i guess over the years
1: so for listeners who are just learning about the savannah bananas now and that there are these college ball teams in the summer and this whole league can you tell them some of the things that set you guys apart from uh, other teams frankly
0: uh probably everything um <laughs> Kind of our motto motto behind our business and organization is is fans first. So it's kind of putting yourself in a fans perspective and only making decisions or doing things that you think would be beneficial for the fans or make their experience better, Um, which I think is very cool that not hardly any other organization can say that they do. And then as well as just we kind of try and do everything opposite of what other people are doing. So, like, if it's normal, if you can do something normal, let's think of, like, the most non normal way to do things. You know, we do a lot of entertainment once the gates open at 5:30. We don't start playing until 7, but there's something constantly going on entertainment wise um on the field, off the field, in the stands, in the crowd, you know, getting people involved and allowing us to you know warm up and get loose, but you know not just forcing 4000 people to watch a couple guys stretch and throw on the line. um which I think is very cool and then in-game stuff, you know, we do a lot of in-between-inning promotions, which is very fun for the fans during the CPL season. But with that uh, Premier team, it's a little bit different, and we have a little bit more wiggle room where we can do actually some entertainment stuff during the games, which is, which is where you see a lot of, like, our viral content coming um, off of most of our social medias from. So I think it's just, you know, it's playing the game a different way, bringing the fun back into baseball, and just not taking yourself too seriously, I think, are the main things.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about your first base coach? Uh,
0: Yeah, so we have a a first base dancing coach, which he is a professional dancer. He's been with us since 2019, I believe. We had a different one in 2018 when I started. Um, So basically we'll toss him out there to coach first every probably third inning. So he'll only go out there like three times a game. Um, Slowly has started to learn a lot more about the game of baseball. When he first started, I don't think he knew anything about the game of baseball, uh, but he's a professional dancer. He's been on America's Got Talent. He's incredible. And basically for the whole inning, that he goes out there to coach first. Um, he'll be in the coach's box. And in between every pitch, they'll play some kind of song. And he'll do some kind of absurd dancing. Really no coaching at all. Just kind of out there to dance and, and be seen by the fans and, and kind of be distracted to the other team, I guess you could say.
1: When you were little and you were playing, did your coach used to tell you to go out there and have fun? I feel like the first base coach is kind of embodying that advice everybody got when they were kids doing sports but that you lose when you get older and more serious about the sport
0: i think he, he kind of you know is a symbolism of like how we used to play when we were little i think that that was the whole objective goal anytime that you played you know like growing up through coach pitch and tee ball and stuff like that it was like nobody really cares about the result of the game or how you did individually um don't beat yourself up too much about the lows and don't get too high on the highs but just more than anything try to enjoy the game and see if it's something that you can enjoy, you know, going forward in life. And I think that's, it's a, it's a perfect example of him just kind of, you know, really doing no coaching at all, just kind of going out there, you know, regardless of how you're doing at the plate or how you're pitching, um, you know, can put a smile on your face and and turn your mood around and possibly your performance that game.
1: And you also have cheerleaders?
0: Uh, Yeah, we have two different sets of cheerleaders uh, on our cast. I guess you could say we have, The dad bod cheerleading squad, which are all overweight men, I guess you could imagine. Uh, We have about five or six of them that are constantly in the crowd, you know, getting people going and hanging out, have a lot of fan interactions, which are really cool for, for a lot of different people throughout the ballpark. And then we have a 65 and older dance squad called the Banana Nanas. So they're all pretty much grandmas who will go out on the field and dance in between innings and will be in the stands and stuff like that, hanging out, you know, having fan interaction so all that kind of stuff adds to our show and as well as our game of baseball so
1: the savannah bananas has not actually been around that long can you tell us a little bit about how this particular team got started
0: uh so i believe the first year of the cpl season that they started was in 2016 um our owner jesse cole as well as our president jared orton They were with another team in the Coastal Plains League, actually, in Gastonia, North Carolina. Kind of saw this cool opportunity. I believe Jesse and his wife took a vacation one weekend to Savannah. Came and saw the ballpark. Um, The people that were playing here at the time were the Sand Nats, which were a single or double-A affiliate for the New York Mets. Um, They kind of fell through. Things weren't really going great. Had low attendance rates. Um, Kind of saw it as an opportunity to possibly – start a cpl team in savannah so they reached out to the city uh i'm assuming they got the okay on it and then eventually over like 2016 and 2017 jesse and emily eventually you know made their way out of owning the gastonia grizzlies and kind of worked more towards here full-time um they won the CPL championship in twenty sixteen, which is super cool. But it was, I think, it was even more cool to see kind of the reactions and the feedback that they were getting from, you know, whenever they first got into town, and then they first announced the team name. I think that like everybody hated it, and for like two months they sold like one ticket. Um, everybody kind of thought that it was a laughing stock, and that the owner should be thrown out of town, and it was the most miserable thing ever, and it's making a joke out of baseball in Savannah. And then, you know, they started to get people to believe in it. And I think that's kind of where the whole um, ideal behind Fans First came important and why it's so important today because it helped us get to where we are today as well as, you know, like doing things differently. Because if we did stuff just like every other every other ball club or every other organization in the baseball industry across the country, you know, there's there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, we would have continued to maybe sold a ticket here or there, but not seeing anything as drastic as we're seeing now.
1: You mentioned that people didn't like the team name, and apparently people took to Twitter and uh, expressed pretty strong negative opinions about the name Savannah Banana, but it sort of turned around when you guys debuted the mascot. Can you tell us about your mascot?
0: Definitely. So we have um, the world's strongest potassium banana. Uh, His name's Split. He wears a cape. He's super jacked um, up in the top part, and he's, I mean, it's just a really... It's very on brand. Everything that we do, you know, from a character standpoint or a baseball standpoint is always on brand with what we try and do. But um, he's a very fun loving mascot. He likes to likes to mess with people in the stands sometimes, but very has so many cool interactions with, you know, like younger kids at our games and stuff like that. And is constantly going out to, you know, showings or going to schools and meet and greets and stuff like that, which is I think helps create that kind of persona that he's larger than life or he's some kind of superhero, which is, which is very cool to see.
1: And your arch rival team is the Macon Bacon.
0: That is correct.
1: Can you tell us about the Macon Bacon and Kevin Bacon?
0: Uh, yeah. So Macon Bacon is a team obviously out of Macon, Georgia, probably two and a half hours, um, west of Savannah. Um, they came about. I believe their first year was twenty eighteen. I think my first year is the CPL twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, um, and it was kind of just a natural born rivalry, just with the names alone, and the you know they were right down the road from us. Um, they have a mascot. His name's Kevin. He's a big greasy strip of bacon. Um, they do they do things pretty eerily similar to us. You know, they're constantly doing things differently, or they're trying to trying to be fans first and and capture things in a different light than than most other teams do um in my past in my career we've we've beat them pretty solidly I'm not sure exactly what our records have been like over the past four years but um a lot of that has to say with you know half those games that we play in in my four years have been at home in Grayson Stadium and it's just a hard place for anybody to win to come into and and succeed in this environment if you're the away team so it's it's been it's been a fun fun rivalry and, and definitely a cool thing to be a part of.
1: I asked one of your a few of your fans actually if they had questions uh, for you, and one of them uh, was, "How do you maintain the seriousness of playing the ball game? Because no one wants to get hurt, and you want you want to play the game and not take yourself seriously."
0: Um, yeah, I think it, I mean, just it's kind of installed in us from a young age. You know, I've been playing baseball since for probably the past 20 years. Um, I've always, I always will. And I've always had, you know, that competitive aspect of, you know, wanting to succeed, wanting to be my best. If I'm pitching, wanting to be better than the guy in the box that I'm pitching to. So that's never going to change really, no matter what setting you put me into. Um, But then to kind of counteract that with, you know, everything that we're doing here in Savannah and, you know, really, Putting an emphasis on fans' first moments and, you know, not taking yourself too seriously or being comfortable with being uncomfortable or dancing in front of thousands of people, you know, it's very hard to take yourself too seriously or, you know, be too honed in on the game of baseball because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like riding a bike for me now for pitching because I've been doing it for so long. So half the time I find myself, you know trying not to forget the dance moves that I'm going to do at the top of the third. So, you know, if I can take my mind off the game of baseball and more fo- focused on something that doesn't come as natural to me, I think is where you see, you know, that fun aspect of it. And then, you know, it's just a game, you know, whenever it's time for me to go out there and pitch, I'm going to go out there and pitch just like I have for the past 20 years and the rest of the rest will take care of itself.
1: So talk to us about the the dance moves. Cause those are what go kind of viral on TikTok and uh, get, Share it around in little snippets on Twitter. Is it the first bass coach who's teaching you dancing? How are you putting together those dances?
0: Um, so it's, it's yeah, it's very cool. So we will always do a, a dance in the top of the third or the bottom of the second or the top of the third. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but it's a choreographed dance. It's usually with pitchers that aren't pitching that night. Um, so if you threw the night before or something like that, you're probably going to be on the player dance um, that we have. And yeah, largely it's our first base dancing coach who choreographs those dances and teaches them to us as well as, you know, some of the other smaller scale stuff that you see that doesn't take as much choreographing, like some of the dances that we do during the game or on the mound and stuff like that, that largely comes from our director of entertainment and and largely he he has a big dancing background as well as, you know, most of the people on our staff have a big baseball background, but also have like a big entertainment background, whether it's dancing or some form of entertainment, but also have a good feel and grasp of, like, you know, uh, how to be around a locker room or how to, how to be around baseball players or how to get them to learn things easily that's not, you know, that's super foreign to them, like dancing. So it's, it's very cool to, to get to work with those people day in and day out because they have a, a great idea of, like, what works on a baseball field and what can baseball players do and do well, but also have a great aspect of, like, I can teach you this dance or I can show you how to do this, that kind of stuff.
1: How did you take those things back to college with you, this learning to do things you've never been asked to do, doing things that potentially would embarrass you and finding a sense of humor about it? How did the things that you did during the college summers go back and help you in the classroom and on the ball field?
0: I think it it truly, you know, it's made me a better person um, all around, whether it's on the baseball field or you know, anywhere else in the classroom, in the community, anything like that. You know, I've learned to be more outgoing. I used to consider myself a rather shy person. Um, definitely wouldn't go out of my way, not very outspoken. Uh, but it's definitely changed me in a lot of those aspects. You know, I'm, I'm very comfortable in situations that I've never been in before. Um, I'm not really afraid to fr- try anything, whether it's in front of nobody by myself or if it's in front of thousands of people. Um and just like you said, like the reoccurring theme is just like, you know, not taking yourself too seriously in the game of baseball as well as, you know, the game or the game of life, I guess you could call it. Um, obviously, you're in a different setting going back to school. It's more serious of business like which which obviously I understand why. And I think everybody understands why. But, you know, mm-hmm. help me be a better teammate to those guys that I that I went back to college with and kind of help them you know get out of slumps or, you know, pick them up whenever morale is down or just overall be a better be a better ear to listen to, or just somebody who can bring good energy every day, as well as you know, just being a better person, being a better friend, um, being a better student—all those kind of things. I feel like it helped me in really every aspect of my life, which has been very cool to see.
1: You said when you go back to school, it's more serious, and it is. But I think at school, we forget how important it is to have fun. We think that having fun is not important or not something we should make time for. But if we don't, I think we're more likely to get sick, to get injured, to get burned out, to get depressed. How has being around someone like the owner of your uh, your summer team who prioritizes fun, how has that changed how you look at the importance of fun?
0: I think it's just as important as any aspect of the game of baseball or life. I think it's just as important as getting enough rest, you know, sleep at night. I think it's just as important as how seriously you take your nutrition. I think it's just as important as how much you study or how much your academic success is or how much work you put into, you know, during practice or after hours or in the weight room in the morning. Uh, I think all of it, like, I think it's a a five-headed dragon for the most part. And I think it should be viewed as just as important. I don't know, like I'm I'm not saying that there's necessarily the right way to, you know, train to have fun or to look at something like that. But I think it's I think it goes back to kind of the scope that you view things and just kind of your mindset going into things and how you handle adversity. If you choose to be positive or negative, you know, you have that choice at the end of the day to make. So I think that it's just as important as anything else in the aspect of the game of baseball or, you know, life itself
1: They've asked you to learn how to dance. They've asked you to play in a kilt. Do the players get to say, no, this is too much? Or have you just learned to go with all the surprises that they keep springing on you in the, in the locker room?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely you can. You know, anything you're uncomfortable with, you know, we can always try and do it with somebody else. Or, you know, the only time it's ever really happened to me was uh, maybe a game or something when I had, you know, already a lot of entertainment stuff on my plate. You know, it's kind of strictly, you know, like, I don't want to add something else to do it because I want to be able to do those good. And if I have to do one more thing, like, I'm not going to be able to put my full attention or be good at the things that you're already asking me to do. Um, but it kind of goes back to the conversation of everybody that we work with and in the front office having a really good feel for, like, knowing how demanding the game of baseball is. Just straight up a nine-inning game, nine game of baseball, how much demanding that is physically and mentally and you know being good and having feel with you know like okay i can add this here like i can ask this player to do this or i can't ask this player to do this like that's asking too much of them um so it's definitely you see a lot of that but also at the same time you know our fans are so great and you know you get the opportunity every night to play in front of thousands of people it makes it very very difficult to want to say no you know they're coming out to see you and supporting you no matter what happens and it's just it's kind of a want to give back to them because they're so awesome to you
1: when you get that strong feedback from the crowd that they really have your back does it change how you you view losses or failure from from when you were a kid when it felt so permanent
0: definitely yeah like our, our big thing is you know going into every night everybody on the entertainment side or even our owner you know if they'll see you before the game it's you know, let's play the best brand of baseball you can play today, but how many never-forget moments can you make for kids that will possibly impact you know, how they view the game of baseball? Because you know, one good or one bad experience with it or something that they'll never forget is something enough to turn somebody away from the sport or get somebody in love with it for the rest of their life. Um, so those are, those are very cool, and those are something that we really don't take lightly. It's something that we like to go out of our way to try and do. And it's just, it's cool to see, you know, at the end of the day, no matter if we lose 50 to nothing, you know, we'll always de-greet and say bye to our fans in the plaza after every game. And, you know, nine times out of 10, they don't come up and say, you know, like good, good try. You guys will get them next time. They'll they'll come up to you and say, you know, that was the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my life. We're like, thank you guys so much for that. Or you played great. And they won't even know that you went over four because they remember the experience and you know how caring you were, and how charismatic you were about the inter- experience and entertainment side of things. And it's just—it's very cool to see that. You know, at the end of the day, it's bigger than the game of baseball and, and how you produce.
1: Does it affect you too with your own sense of what what you consider a failure or what you consider a loss? Has that changed?
0: Yes and no. Like it's—it's it's the competition side. Of the, obviously, I don't want to go out there and give up fifty runs and all of them be home runs. Um, I want to pitch to the best of my ability. Um, and I'm at the point where I'm playing my highest level of baseball I've ever played in my life against the best competition I've ever played against. Um, so, you know, obviously it's, it's about how I view myself stacking up against guys and similar experience or level of skill of baseball. But, um, definitely the lows are not very, very low around here, no matter how bad. Um, I may perform during the game, but the highs are often often very high. So I guess that's the best way to put it is I never, I never really get too down anymore. Playing here, playing in front of these fans, no matter what the outcome of the game is.
1: When you started college and you had your scholar your scholarship, what were you looking ahead as far as your own baseball career? And where do you see that now?
0: Uh, I think I had aspirations just like any other kid. Growing up, you know, I was going to I was gonna play in the big leagues. I was going to play for the Texas Rangers in Arlington. And my whole family was going to get to come watch me play. And I was going to travel all over the country playing baseball for a living. And I'd never have to work a day in my life, and I'd be super happy. And then um, I thought that's what I wanted. And then I got down here. And, you know, I'm coming up on my first full year of working full time and playing for the Bananas in my fifth year in total, you know, being down here and experiencing this kind of stuff and i thought that's what i wanted but i i quickly realized that that this was actually the dream that i that i thought that i wanted all along and i wouldn't even bat an eye if the rangers called me tomorrow and said hey we'd, we'd love to have you come up and play I, there is not a doubt in my mind that i would be staying down here in savannah
1: say a little more about that so if they called you would say no is it because it's now it's such a pressure-based sport you'd be going into, and you'd be leaving the one behind here, where you really get to enjoy playing baseball.
0: Um, yes and no. You know, at that level, it's it's real. You know, not that I would put pressure on myself. I mean, obviously, I would. I'd be I'd be nervous as I get out. You know, playing in the big leagues. Um, but you know, it's not like a, oh, if I don't do good here, like I'm I'm gonna go back down and go back to the big leagues. It's just. I think what, what the big league stands for and symbolizes for me and then you know what we're doing down here stands for and symbolizes me, it's just it, it aligns with what I want to do and what I wanna be about. And, you know, if I could have an impact and be the top one percent baseball player in all of the country and stay up and play in the MLB for X amount of years, you know, I think the impact that I'll have at the younger generation won't be as great as the impact that I could have here in Savannah.
1: And right now you're running uh, programs for kids and teaching them baseball and doing summer camps. Can you tell us about the education of younger kids that you're doing in your job there?
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely a driving factor in my life. You know, it's something that I'm very passionate about. I think that the, that the game of baseball has given me so much. Um, it's brought me so many friends in my life, um, so many memories, so many lessons learned. You know, it's changed. <laughs> who I am as a person. Um, and, you know, if I can give half of that back to the next generation of, of players that want to come up and play this game that's basically shaped me as a person, um, that's the least I can do is give back to them and, and try to teach them right from wrong as well as, you know, from a young age, learn to have fun, and and the principles that we're about here in Savannah. So it's it's, it's really the best of both worlds getting to, you know, be kids' favorite players when they come to one of our camps or, you know, be the guy that they like to watch and, and see all these videos about, or, you know, like be somebody's role model and teach somebody something within a week is, is one of the core experiences we have had.
1: What were some of the misconceptions that you brought into college ball? I mean, what was, what, some of the reality that was different than what you expected it to be?
0: Um, I feel like my experience or how I would answer this would be different than a lot of people's um, that went on to play college baseball. I feel like um, just my high school experience playing baseball, I played for one of my favorite coaches I've ever played for in uh, Stacy Bennett and Scott Strickland. You know, it really – those were two guys that played college baseball, um, knew what it took, knew what it was about. One of them played in the conference that I went on to play into, and one of them got drafted – in the third round as a catcher. So, you know, they both played uh, baseball at a very high level and, you know, really instilled in me and really every player, whether they thought you had a chance of playing college baseball or not, you know, what it was going to take, what it was going to be like, um, what would what would fly there, what wouldn't fly, and really tried to run their programs very similar to um, their experience that they had in college. So I really think that, you know, from a personal experience, I didn't really – that much of an eye I really miss much of a beat going in from, you know, my senior year of high school to my freshman year of college.
1: And what are some maybe misconceptions people have about what it takes to run the kind of organization you're part of now? Just because something is fun doesn't mean there's not a lot of organization holding it together.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of room for creativity. Um, And that's something that we preach, you know, there's a lot of freedom within the company, you know At the end of the day, you're responsible for what you're responsible for Um, Just like any other business across the country I feel like there's not gonna be somebody there that's holding your hand to make sure you get stuff done And that's I think that's the beauty about it. You know, anybody can replicate what we're doing here just like anybody can replicate any kind of recipe for food or anything like that. But, you know, if you don't have good ingredients or if you don't have the right people working in your organization, then nine times out of 10, it's not going to be as special as you hope for it to be. Um, so I think that that's a big thing. The big side of it as well as, you know, just, just treating people, right. You know, from the top down, everybody feels important. Everybody can have a conversation with anybody. Um, and there's a lot of recognition and a lot of, um, I guess you could say rewards, but more than anything, like a lot of shout outs of, you know, like this was awesome. You know, we always have meetings on how we can be better, how we can change things. If something was awesome, like everybody's going to hear about it and and everybody's going to know that you put in effort and time to do that, which is which is very rewarding. It makes you want to do that and have the initiative to do it on your own rather than somebody tell you to do it.
1: As an athlete, you've probably played through pain. You've probably played through rain and you've kept going what is your favorite part of being out on the field what was it that drove you to keep going and getting better as a pitcher
0: um I guess you could say kind of as cliche as it could say on the mound was just my happy place I fell in love with pitching once I could pitch um it was always something that I knew that was going to be there in my life no matter like what I was going through on or off the field I knew that when I did that I was truly happy and I loved it and it's something that I wanted to continue to work at to get better. I loved watching other people pitch. I love trying to tweak things. I like understanding why certain people do certain things on the mound when they do them. Um, and then more than anything, I just love standing 60 feet, six inches away from somebody and being better than them.
1: You said that your roommate uh, was a catcher and he's come to work on the bananas as well. Um, how have you guys maintained that friendship for so long?
0: I can't get away from him. (laughs) Uh, We played four years together at the University of North Georgia. I didn't know him before we got into college. Um, And then I graduated and played my last year, my my graduate year at Jacksonville State University in Jacksonville, Alabama. Um, That was the first time in probably four years that I was actually physically away from him because we would go from summer or spring in North Georgia living together, and then we would come down in Savannah and play in the summers and live together. And then after the summer season was over, we'd go right back to North Georgia. And then now that we've started working full-time down here, we live together, of course, down here. So we're, we're on our third house together. Some would say uh, getting ready to propose and, and full-on this marriage, I guess you could say that we are.
1: Because when you spend that much time with somebody, you're either going to get along really well and build a relationship or you're going to hate each other
0: yeah he's definitely i I don't even view him as a friend anymore i view him as you know i have one biological brother and then and then there's bill um i consider him my brother you know we necessarily don't have to talk all the time even when we're at the house you know I've, i've seen him for the past six years um we live basically parallel lives um there's not a whole lot that goes on in his life that doesn't go on in my life or vice versa so you know oftentimes more times than not there's not too much new to talk about but like somebody that's always there for you and somebody that you can depend on and, and is going to love you through thick and thin and at the end of the day call your pitches and, and catch it in every game that you pitch so it's, it's it's been a lot of fun
1: because to get through something you you have to have somebody who has your back
0: I mean I can't I can't imagine going through any of these experiences that we've had you know whether it was Going into the new experience of going to college together or, you know, after college, the fear of, you know, uh, venturing over into the work life and what that was going to look like. And then lo and behold, that we got to, to go into that new chapter of our lives together. Uh, just, you know, it brings you a sense of comfort and, and a sense that, you know, we can do this and we are in the right spot and that, and that we're the right people for the job.
1: Do you, does your family manage to get tickets? It is very hard to get tickets to the Savannah Panthers, <laughs>
0: Yeah, so uh, my, my family actually just moved to back to Texas. My mom and dad did. Uh, my brothers lived out there for a couple of years now. Most of my family does, largely. Um, so that's why I'm really excited for this tour, you know, the next tour that we have coming up and playing in different parts of the country, not necessarily just Savannah, Um, so they can come see me more. Um, they do allocate, you know, uh, players and, and people that are a part of the front office, you know, or, allocated a certain amount of tickets to get, you know, their loved ones out to, to games and to come see the show. But, you know, outside of that, you've got you to gotta hop on the wait list that's, that continues to grow and grow. So,
1: What do you hope this episode sparks for listeners?
0: Um, I think more than anything, you know, I would say exposure for the bananas. But I think that at this point, you know, you're, you're going to be exposed to it if, if you have a cellular device or get on a computer um, and I don't really think that's our main goal. I think the main goal is you know the message that we're trying to send and the positivity that we're trying to send to people. You know whether you come to a game or you watch our videos and stuff like that is just to just to know our goal and know that we're trying to change the game of baseball, whether it's from a different perspective that other people view it as. And then as well as you know if if you're the if you're the purist that you know loves the game of baseball and hates what we do, you know I can see both sides of it. I love watching a one-nothing pitcher's duel that takes four hours. I could sit there and watch that just because I've played baseball for so long. But I, I love and I believe in what we're doing. And, um, you know, I would I guess I would say, you know, don't write us off. You know, we're playing real baseball as, you know, as hard as that may seem as with all the um, entertainment stuff that we're doing on the side and during the games. You know, these are legit, really good baseball players who have ba- played baseball their whole life and want to win. And it's a competitive game. And, you know, it's, it's not, you know, fixed, you know, it's impossible to fix a baseball game to where there's a certain outcome. So I guess that would be the big thing is, you know, just just give it a try before you write it off. And it's not for you, then, you know, we're not for everybody. And that's fine. You know, there's going to be something wrong with with everything, you know, nothing's going to be viewed and perfect by everybody. So
1: You said earlier that what you guys are doing there on the Savannah Bananas could be reproduced by other teams, and you mentioned that there are other leagues in the country for college ball players to be in. Do you hope what you guys are doing will be reproduced and that more and more college ball players will get to have the kind of opportunity that you've had?
0: Definitely. I mean, that would be so selfish of me not to wish that, you know, I wish that we could have everybody in the world come play for us, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, roster spots are limited. And and not everybody fits right, whether you whether you want to think that or not, um, into what the system that we have placed, but definitely, you know, what we're doing is very repeatable. And if you have the attention and the time and you know, really the desire to do things differently and you have that passion to do things, you know, that's right by the fans first and not so much, you know, money driven, I think that you would see a lot more eyes back on the game of baseball or a lot more interest back in the game. And I think that's what we hope for. You know, it's no secret. Um, I don't think we're trying to keep it a secret from, from anybody or any organization that wants to do things differently. You know, we're, we're a pretty open book. And like I said, you know, it takes, it takes an army and it takes the right kind of people and the, the people that desire to do things the right way and, and that are all about the fans experience. And the rest, the rest will take care of itself.
1: Thank you so much for being here today, Kyle Lugas, and telling us about your experience both playing for and working for the Savannah Bananas. I'm Dr. Christina Gessler, and you've been listening to The Academic Life on New Books Network. I hope you will please join us again.